Lord, speak to me. God, we ask that you would invade this place with your presence and your power and that you would speak to us and may each one of us be obedient to the sweet voice of your spirit. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. The title of my message today is Health, Wealth, and Happiness, and i got to give a disclaimer right up front. I'm not talking about uh, name it and claim it theology, but there are principles throughout Scripture that talk about how we can live a healthy, wealthy, enriched, fulfilled life. And I've chosen to use Proverbs chapter 3 as sort of the, the background, how, how to be healthy. And I'm talking about more than just physical health. Spiritual health, okay? So where we have to begin is to know Jesus. And if you do not know Jesus, that's the beginning part. All of us are broken. All of humanity is broken. There's none of us that are righteous, not even one. So we begin by developing a relationship with Jesus Christ, recognizing that i got to need in my own life, a vacuum that can only be filled by Jesus. So have you come to that place where you know that you know that you know that you know him? If you haven't, I pray that this morning you will make the most important decision you'll ever make in your life, and that is to begin a relationship with him. Ask him to forgive your sin. Ask him to come into your life, and he will bring meaning and purpose into your life. He will help you live a healthy life. Now, the ingredients of a healthy life are your body. This is the temple of the living God. We only have one temple, and we really should take care of it. Um, I didn't share this in the first service, but uh, about a year and a half ago, I was playing tag with two of my grandkids, and I twisted my knee. And I, I'm not saying everybody's got to do what I did, but I, that happened. I, I, it didn't get better. I went to physical therapy. It brought me to a point. And then I went to a doctor. He wanted to do a knee replacement. And I said, oh, I don't want to do that. Now, some of you have already had one, and I, I, that's fine. But I chose to do a different route. And I went to a nutritionist, and he said I had inflammation in my joints, and he put me on a new eating plan. Well, I chose to follow that. And it's amazing. Within two weeks, I had no pain. So your body is a temple that God has given to you, and he expects us to take care of it. Now, you do that in your own way. I'm not trying to. Uh, the hardest thing for, for me was uh, he, I had to get off a of dairy. And ice cream is made out of dairy. <laughs> so, so, now, I, I did that for 90 days. Now, I'll still eat a dish of ice cream every now and then, but th that's something that I chose to do. I wanted to take care of this temple, this body, your mind. It's a battle that is raging in our minds. Our adversary, the devil, wants to get into your mind. And we're flooded with stuff from our phones to our, the internet to everything. I mean, he's after your mind. So what are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? You know, there was a, a when computers first came out, uh, uh, there was this phrase, and you don't hear it much anymore, but garbage in, garbage out. And whatever you put in is what's going to come out. And that's true here. Whatever you put in your mind is what's going to come out of your mouth, out of your heart. We've got to feed ourselves on good things. Are you doing that? Because if you want to be healthy, both physically 
And mentally, you've got to put good things in. You've got to watch what you see. You've got to watch what you hear. You've got to watch what you read. So you're taking care of this mind that God has given you, your spirit. We are the, if you know Christ in a personal way, when you make that decision, you become the dwelling place of God. Ephesians 2, 22, one of my favorite verses. I am the dwelling place of God. Just think about that. The God of all creation, the God that spoke this all into, that God is taking up residence in you. I am the dwelling place of God. If you know him in a personal way this morning, on the count of three, I want you to say with me, I am the dwelling place of God, okay? One, two, three. I am the dwelling place of God. Well, if that be the case, that means wherever I go, he's going with me. Whatever I do, he's doing with me. Uh, that, that's a game changer. I'm the dwelling place. The God of all creation is going with me wherever I go, doing with me whatever I do. I mean, that should give you a little bit of incentive to do right, <laughs> I think, when we come to realize that's what's happening. Now, some direct instructions. Obey the Lord. That's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. My, one of my dad's favorite hymns was trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Simple question to you this morning. Are you obeying? Are you living a life of obedience? I mean, we, we need to be able to look ourselves in the mirror and say, I am living a life of obedience. I mean, there's only two answers there. I, yes, I am, or no, I'm being disobedient. And there are times that, you know, Lord, are you sure you said that? Well, yeah. He said it. And so I, it's up to me, up to you to obey. Secondly, trust the Lord. Trust the Lord. And that's tough. Because there are times that he asks us to do some stuff that, oh, that stretches my faith. But I, I, I'm going to trust God on this. I, I mean, I could stand here all day and tell you story after story of things that God has asked me to do. And it sounded crazy to me. But see, you got to remember, his ways are not my ways. Usually the first thing I think is not what God thinks. I don't know if that's true for you, but it's just a fact. His ways are not our ways. He didn't ask us to do things logically. He asked us to trust him. Know the Lord. That's the third thing. You just got to know him. So how do you get to know him? Spend time with him. Maybe it's that devotional text that comes through every Friday. Spend time with him. You know, the more you spend time with somebody, the better you know them. You, you probably know a lot of people here. But then there's a certain group that maybe you're in a small group with, you know them better. And then your spouse, your children, you know them even better. The more you spend time with someone, the better you get to know them. That's what he's asking. Fear the Lord. Now, that's not a fear of he's going to get me, but it realizes who he is. We're talking about Yahweh, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. There should be a, a reverence. When it comes to who he is in my life. Now, we got to look for some divine involvement. Verse 6. Direction from the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will 
Not maybe he will. No, he will direct your steps. So we're looking for direction from God. He's promised us protection. Verse 26. He will protect you. We don't have to fear. See, fear is of the devil. He doesn't want us to live in fear. And I, I, I think, and this is a personal opinion, I think this COVID thing that we've been through, the fear that's come out of this is worse than the disease. It's crazy. I mean, you come out of a grocery store and I don't have a mask on and this person does, they go, oh. I go, <laughs> no. I don't, I don't. But I'm tempted to do that. It's nuts. I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Be committed to spiritual principles. This is how you get wealthy. There are principles in the Bible that talk about money. Now, again, I, I give a disclaimer. I'm not talking about come to Jesus and get rich. This is not a name it and claim it theology. But there are principles, if we will follow them, that we honor the Lord in our giving. Verse 9. We want to honor the Lord in everything that we do. All of your life, everything that you are, everything, that, it's, it's the Lord. And we want to honor him in our giving, in the way we live. We want to share the blessing. And again, it's a spiritual principle. I can't logically spell it out, but I found out a long time ago, the Lord allowed a whole lot of stuff to pass through these fingers if I don't have very sticky fingers. This I know. The happiest people I've ever met in my life are givers. And the most disgruntled people I've ever met in my life live like this. Be, be a giver. God wants you to be a giver. See, everything in creation gives except sinful humanity. Sun gives light by day. Moon and star gives light by night. Lord sends rain, waters the earth. Plants grow and they die and decay and replenish the earth. And along comes sinful man, and man's philosophy is this. Get all you can, can all you get, sit on the lid and poison the rest. You'll get that later. He wants us to give. He created you to give. All of creation gives. And he wants you to fit into his plan, and that is to give. You got to be, if you're going to do that, you got to be convinced of God's promises. Verse 10. His principles are sound. And his promises are sure. Every promise in the book is mine. Do you remember that kid's song? Every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. Jesus said it. I believe it. It's mine. He promised it. He's going to take care of us. Now, you need to be clear about spiritual perspective. I'm not going to read all these scriptures, but write down verses 11 12. Riches require regulation. If, if I want God to bless me, i got to fit into God's plan. i got to operate in God's kingdom economy. And you got to get this one. Wisdom without, I mean, wealth without wisdom has no benefit. Oh, you may get real rich. But if you don't have a spiritual perspective, you're poor. I don't care how much wealth you got. I was on a flight years ago when 
Howard Hughes, at the time I think he was the richest man in the world, died. And the guy next to me was reading uh, USA Today and he finished reading the article about Howard Hughes and he said, I wonder how much your old boy left. I said, all of it. He did. Shortly after that, I saw this cartoon about, I'm not picking on you. I wouldn't mind having one myself, but I don't. But uh, this guy's last request was to be buried in his gold Mercedes. And so they dug a big hole out of the graveyard and had a crane out there and a corpse sitting up at the stern wheel and lowering it down. One of the grave diggers punched the other and said, man, that's living. So, <laughs> the point is this. Everything you have is going to be left. I've yet to see a U-Haul behind a hearse. It just doesn't happen. So your investment is extremely important. What you do with what God has blessed you with. I have a responsibility for what God's blessed me with. How am I using it? So that's a good question. Now, how do you be wise? Number one, wisdom is from God. And this is one of the things that you know will happen if you just ask. If anybody, that includes all of us, lacks wisdom, all we've got to do is ask God. The other person we need to learn is to reject your own wisdom. Your ways are not his ways. That's just a fact. Because my mind, apart from the power of God working in me, is selfish and uncontrolled. That's why I need to commit myself to Christ and I need to ask him to give me wisdom to do what's right. See, wisdom is a gift from God, verse 13. And we want to use wisdom in our personal relationships. That's why it's good for you to be a part of a small group so that you can be nurtured in those relationships so that you can grow and be more of what God wants you to be. Now, I have some closing thoughts. That doesn't mean we're soon at the end, but the, these are some closing thoughts. I want to encourage you to practice first fruits living. I'm reading again through the Old Testament, through the Bible this year, but I'm in the Old Testament now. And it's, just, it's, it's a way of life. You just read it. God asked them to give their first fruit, the best of what they have, not a little bit of what's left over or uh, not a lamb that was uh, lame or uh, not grain that you know, swept up off the floor. He wants the best. That's just first fruits living as followers of Christ. We all ought to live that way. We're called by God to live that way. That's where joy and happiness is found. There's celebration in all of that. You read when they were collecting money to, to build. I mean, they came with so much joy. I mean, they had the privilege of giving. Yes, it's a joy. That's first fruits living. You need to learn to live that way. Secondly, Matthew 6, verse 21. Where your treasure is, that will your heart be also. Where your treasure is, that will your heart be also. Where your treasure is. There will your heart be also. Where's your treasure? If it's money, that's where your heart's going to be. If it's land, that's where your heart's going to be. If it's the stock market, 
that's where your heart's going to be. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. God provided those things for us to enjoy and for us to use for his honor and his glory. But those things should not capture my heart. Where's my treasure? I want my treasure in heaven. That's where I'm going to spend eternity. Uh, the original chairman of my board is 102 years of age, and he's still on his game. The doctor asked him, how long are you going to live? He said, 120. He said, where'd you get that number? He said, Moses. So I, I don't know if that's going to happen or not, but I mean, he, he's lived a great life. But let me tell you something. You know what that is compared to eternity? James said it right. It's a on a cold morning. I don't care how long you live. Compared to eternity, it's that's it. So where is your treasure? Where am I going to spend the rest of my life in eternity? I had the privilege several years ago of being invited to Dr. Billy Graham's funeral. And as I was sitting there, I'm a little mischievous, but I asked one of the security guards, could you help me find somebody? He's, he's got a blue suit on and got gray hair. <laughs> Everybody. No. <laughs> he says, sir, I don't think I can help you out. But, it, but I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking, and I'm sitting by my good friend and mentor, Dr. Elmer Towns. I just had this vision of him being escorted into heaven and the millions upon millions of people that came to faith in Christ through his message, welcome, welcoming him home. What a moment that is. That's what I want. The joy of seeing people that came to faith through my ministry. Lives that have been impacted through Abundant Life Church. That in the providence of God, many of them die before you. And they're there to welcome you. That's what I want. Matthew 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Now, again, thank God for money. I, I could not do what I do. We could not be here today without money. So it's nothing wrong. Money's nothing wrong with it unless it owns you. It's a tool to reach the world for Christ. 1 Timothy 6.10 says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of. Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart. Now I'm telling you, Money, along with other things, can capture us if we let it. We've got to ask God to guard our hearts and protect us from the evils that will seek to bring you down. He wants to build you up. The other principle I would say, a thought that I just want to give you, is stop indulging and start investing. Now, again, I don't want to make anybody feel guilty for anything. It's okay to have things. Just don't let those things have you. That's the issue. I'm responsible for everything that I have. And God brings those things into my life 
to bless and to reach others. So before you take part in impulsive buying, for instance, pray. Lord, is this something that I, I need? Is this something I should be doing? They're good questions that all of us are responsible to God to ask. Luke 16, verse 9. I want to unpackage this. A lot of people don't even know this is in the Bible, but it is. Luke 16, verse 9 says this. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. Sort of sounds like buying friends. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself. So that when it is gone, when's it going to be gone? When you die, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Now, here's what I think that means. Let's say you volunteer at the carnival or you volunteer at the festival or, I don't know, all of you know this, but Abundant Life has our ministry on your missions budget. Vern and I are at our NASCAR race and hundreds of people get saved, most of whom, maybe none of whom, you will ever meet. But in the providence of God, some of them are going to die before you do. And I am convinced when you get to heaven, God's going to make a connection. Use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwellings. See, God calls all of us to different ministries and has different gifts. I thank God for the privilege of standing on a stage and sharing the gospel and seeing people come to faith in Christ. But I couldn't do that without friends who believe in what we're doing to make it possible. That's what I'm saying. So why are we doing this building? To reach people for Jesus. It's not about bricks and mortar. It's about reaching people for Jesus. See, we live in an upside-down kingdom. Proverbs eleven twenty four talks about that. Give freely and become wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. That's sort of what we heard from both of our friends that shared how God worked in their lives. Now, I want to conclude, and I'm going to go a little beyond 1130, but it won't be long, by telling you about my life. I'm the youngest of seven kids. I was 10 years difference between me and my next brother. My mom was 45 when I was born. She said I wasn't planned, but I was always wanted. Um, when my dad was 12 years of age, my grandfather, whom I never met, died during the last pandemic, the 1918 flu. My dad was 12 years of age, and he quit school and went to work at 12 years old doing a man's job to help support the family. So he had very limited education. He and my mom got married at 17, and family started coming along. They lived in a little shotgun house on Easley Avenue in Lynchburg, Virginia. My dad was on the board at Fairview United Methodist Church, and a revival broke out, and they were beginning to grow. And one night, it was one of those meetings where God just showed up, as my dad said, and they felt they should step out in faith during the Depression and build a new building. And that night, my dad felt led of God to commit $500. Now, I don't know how much $500 was during the Depression, but it was a lot of money. 
He came home and told my mom. My dad said she sat on the side of the bed, put her hand on her, and I said, well, Floyd, how in the world are we going to do that? He said, God will provide. My mom's brother, who was much taller and bigger than my dad, heard what he had done and came over and stuck his finger in my dad's chest and said, Floyd Wingfield, you're a fool. My dad said, I may be, but I'm going to be a fool for Christ. God's going to honor this. My dad taught a Sunday school class in that church for years. And out of that one class came 36 pastors, people called in the ministry. Seven kids, all five of the boys in my family ended up in the ministry. Not a bad return on $500. When I was six months old, my dad had bought a farm down in Camel County, Virginia, because he wanted his didn't want to raise his family in the city. He was farming and also working as a carpenter. And the pastor of our church had a heart attack. My dad started filling in. And the district superintendent of the Methodist church came to my dad and said, Floyd, you've got a gift. He said, you should be in ministry. And my dad said, I don't have any education. He said, well, get your GED and you can do correspondence. And that's what he did. And when I was six months old, we moved to a little town called Huddleston, Virginia, where Smith Mountain Lake now is, pastoring four little Methodist churches. That was the era where they, uh, they used to pound the preacher. I don't know if you ever heard of that or not, but that, that didn't mean to beat him up. But in the spring and fall, everybody would bring a pound of this and a pound of that so we'd have food to eat. When we came home from church one Sunday, I was, again, just a baby. My mom was not making enough milk for me because I came along later in life. And my dad said, honey, what's for dinner? She said, Floyd, we don't have anything. The cupboard's bare. I don't even have milk for the baby. Me. He said, set the table. She said, Floyd, we don't have anything. He said, set the table. They set the table. We sat around the table and my dad prayed. Thank God for the food we had to eat for supplying all of our needs and as he was praying a gentleman that he had led to Christ I'm not making this up drives up with flour milk sugar beef I think pork was with it too canned green beans potatoes everything that we needed I'm thankful that's the way I was raised and I'll close with this one I was with my dad one day in Lynchburg and I think he was a wino. He came up to my dad and said, and my dad's nickname was Wink. He said, Wink, would you spot me some money for a cup of coffee? And I was probably five years of age. I can see my dad now reaching in his back pocket and pulling his wallet out, and it was empty. Now, I'm sure, I don't know, he could have gotten a, written a check or something. He put it back. He always carried his money in a squeeze, one of those little squeeze things, and he dumped the money out had two dimes and he had a like sort of that wooden piece that you're going to get for to remind you to pray his was called a round to it just had a round to it on it and it had john 316 on the back side and he'd be witness to somebody and say, well i'll do that when i get around to it so i'll give you one <laughs> he, we were in front of texas tavern not a beer joint a hamburger place and he opened the door and put money on the counter and said give my buddy a cup of coffee 
And then he turned to this gentleman, and I'll call him Jim. He said, Jim, you don't need to live like this. God can deliver you and give you victory over this alcohol. And we left. And I'm thinking, I'm hungry, man. He gave all our money away. How about me? And we hardly go as far as from here to that first row over there. And he reaches down and picks a dollar bill up off the sidewalk. and looks around, nobody's there. So he puts it in his pocket and he says, son, remember this. You can never outgive God. You can't, my friend. Put him to the test. That's my prayer. Know him, love him, and serve him. And you'll be healthy, you'll be wealthy, and you'll be wise.